support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high. If you're reading from your cell phones, you can lift it up. Uh, those of you watching on your cell phones, lift it up. Shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, Namslanje, I'll hear from God's word and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's jump straight into it. Today we're starting a brand new series. And we're going to be talking about as a man thinketh. That's what I, I titled the series. The series is called As a Man Thinketh. And this is from uh, Proverbs chapter number 23 verse 7. And what does it say? It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, it's interesting that he didn't say, as a man thinks in his heart, so will he become. He said, as a man thinks in his heart, uh, so is he. In other words, uh, you are a representation of your thought life. You know, what we see uh, walking around is, uh, is an accurate representation of the things uh, that you think on. Amen. And so this is very important, and we're going to be starting a journey, uh, because once I read this scripture and found out that I am, uh, the summation of my thought life, the representation of my thought life, it blessed me. Because what that means is I can change my thought life and ultimately be able to change me. Because scripture says, as a man thinks, so is he. So I can change that and ultimately be able to change me. And so we're going to start a journey uh, today, uh, 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 talking and discussing uh, this particular subject. And we're going to venture into a territory that's going to help you uh, change the way you think. It's sad to say that uh, um, in 2020, the bulk of the church, the majority of the church, and I'm talking about the church world uh, corporately, uh, they just are looking for feelings. They're just looking for a goosebump. They're just looking for something to tickle their five senses uh, and feel good momentarily. And listen, I've been there. I've done that. I didn't even get a t-shirt for it. You know, I grew up in a church where you would go and get a nice good shot uh, of emotions every Sunday morning. I mean, from about 8 o'clock. I mean, we used to have long services those days. It was about three and a half hours, okay? And we, we would get a really good, nice shot of a, a, a goosebump and feeling and we would feel good about what the preacher is preaching and he would make sure that he hypes us up and preach hard and, and go for it and just, you know, uh, fire you up emotionally. But I found out that those emotions would wear out at about uh, 3 p.m. if you were lucky. But for the rest of us, by about 12.30 before I even get home, life is back at it, kicking my backside and whipping my head. And I got tired. And I said, there must be a better way than to get an emotional shot every Sunday. And this is the better way. This is when you start changing the way you think, it doesn't matter what the feelings dictate. You can still be at a place of victory. Can I get a man? Uh, Romans chapter number 12, verse 2, uh, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome. And I believe this is probably the most important scripture for any New Testament believer after you get born again. 
Romans chapter number 12, verse 2. You should spend your majority of your Christian uh, life doing Romans 12, verse 2, and I'm going to explain why. Scripture says in Romans 12, verse 2, And do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye what? Transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And here's the reason why. So that you may be able to prove. That word prove means to manifest. It means to taste and see for yourself. It means the will of God gets to heat your own palate as well. Amen? You know, Scripture says taste and see that the Lord is good. It didn't say observe and see. He says, taste and see. You need to be able to manifest God's will for yourself and taste it to see that the Lord is good. Amen? So that word prove means to manifest. Someone say manifest. The word prove also means uh, uh, when you come to church, when you go to Bible study, uh, when you live your life, you are acquiring what I like to call working knowledge. Working knowledge is different from just any kind of knowledge, uh, religious knowledge, uh, theological knowledge. Some, some people just want theological knowledge to use in Bible arguments. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a working knowledge, watch this now, that produces results. Because the best way to convince anyone about the kingdom life is to uh, live your life with the trees, the branches of your life hanging, uh, uh, laden. Uh, with ripe and juicy fruit. Fruitful marriage. Just wow. Amen. Fruitful businesses. Wow. Man, just fruit everywhere you look. Fruit in your health. Fruit in your finances. Fruit in your children. Amen. That's what scripture says in Psalm 112. It says the seed of the righteous man is blessed. And they do well. So he's talking about fruit in every single area of your life. That's what we call working knowledge. In all you're getting is you get knowledge, as you get understanding, make sure that you're not just getting it so you can use it for arguing. You don't go to Bible school just to get stuff to use for arguing. Get it, use it to produce fruit. Someone say amen. And so that's why he uses this word prove. Because God has called us to occupy. Remember the story of the ten talents? He gave them talents and uh, he left them. And what did he tell them? He said, occupy until I come. What that phrase, occupy until I come, means advance and hold. Amen? When you feel tired, you don't backpedal. You don't retreat. You hold. Having done all to stand... You stand there for. When it's corona season and you don't feel like you can make any more progress, you know what you do? You don't retreat. You just hold that position. Man, investors know this very well. Investors will tell you, hold. Say, oh man, it looks like the market is going crazy. Hold that position. Go and talk to Zoom. Is it called Zoom? That we use to broadcast and to have meetings at the church office? That's Zoom. Zoom just held their position. And it turned out Corona was the biggest thing that ever happened. The blessing that ever happened to Zoom. As they were holding that position, man, I'm telling you, the shares of that company tripled. You just need to advance and do what? Hold. And how do you hold? You hold by changing the way you think. You've got to change the way you think and start thinking uh, differently. Someone say hold. And as you hold, you're holding to produce what is that good. Someone say good. Acceptable. Someone say acceptable. And perfect. Someone say perfect. This is the will of God for your life. It's always good. It's always acceptable. And it's always perfect. 
How many of you know that sickness is not good? It's not acceptable? It's not perfect? Oh, let me hit you with this one. How many of you know that poverty is not good? Well, I was poor, I can assure you, it's not good. It wasn't good sleeping under the kitchen table. It was not good taking your toothbrush and rub it on a bar of soap just so you can get some foam to brush your teeth. You're not good about that. It didn't even taste good. So poverty is not good. What that means is poverty is not the will of God. See, I see a lot of people trying to glorify poverty and they say, oh, you know, you shouldn't preach prosperity. We should all just kind of, you know, go in. Man, poverty is bad. Man, it's terrible. I've been there and I've done that. You used to have to wake up five hours before going to school to light a fire so you can heat up the water you're going to use to bath. You used to have to be sitting in a class and the teacher would embarrass you calling out your name. I'm calling out names of people who are two terms overdue. Stand out of my class in front of everybody. That wasn't glorious. That wasn't good. That wasn't acceptable or perfect. So what that means is God's will is always good for you. It's always acceptable for you. It's always perfect. And this means prosperity is God's will for you. But how do you get to manifest it? You do what Romans 12, uh, 2 uh, says. So let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning of this verse. Man, it's going to blow your mind as we break down these verses. The first thing he says is, as he's getting ready to get you to manifest the will of God, the first thing he says is, do not. He says, be not, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. It's the first thing he says. He tells you what you shouldn't do before he even tells you what you should do. Because he wants you to get rid of all that religious junk. He wants you to get rid of all the traditions of man that makes the gospel of none effect. He wants you essentially to get rid of the dirty diaper. Before we even start talking about uh, a transformation and producing God's will, the first thing you shouldn't do is do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. That word conform in the Greek means to be poured into a mold. Life is always going to try and shape you. Life circumstances, man, coronavirus will try and shape you into becoming a fearful, panicky person. And he says, yeah, don't do it. Don't let corona shape you. Hallelujah. Corona will try and shape you to not start a business. Some of you are waiting. You know, some of you are waiting for the official date for corona to end. <laughs> I googled. Maybe when you find out, please let me know. When I Googled, go and Google, and I, I, I've searched high and low. I've talked to doctors. We have doctors in the church. I've talked to them. I said, please, all I want is the official date for when this thing is going to be over with so I can start living my life. And they say to me, we don't know. This thing may be with us till 2025. You know what? I said to hell with you. I'm going to live my life now. I'm going to start investing now. I'm going to start living. Hey, listen, I can't wait till 20. I can't hire till 2025. Amen. They couldn't give me an official date where this thing is going to be wrapped. You know, like the World Cup, you know when it ends. The official date for the finals. When the final is played, we know the World Cup is over. I wanted an official date. No one could give me. So you know what I decided? I decided I'm not going to go with that flow. I'm going to go with God's word. And God reminded me. 
I was with my wife yesterday. We went out to eat. Thank God the restaurants are open. We don't have to cook anymore. We went out to eat. Amen. Breakfast. And we were talking. And I was just saying to my wife, you know what? God spoke to me on Thursday while I was running. And he said, you know what, Tafara? Nothing has changed uh, with regards to my dreams for you. He said, I told you in January that your next turn will be your best turn. It's still valid in my eyes. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. And so he said, do not be poured into the mold. Don't let life circumstances shape you. Don't let life circumstances make you bitter when God has created you to become better. Don't let life circumstances make you a victim when he has created you uh, to become a victor. Don't let life circumstances stress you when God has already blessed you. Amen? Stay in the blessing. Stay in victory. Stay in being better. Amen? Don't let circumstances shape you and mold you and so on and so forth. Reject that. He says, but be ye transformed. That word transform in the Greek is the word metamorpho, uh, which is the English word metamorphosis. And what this word really means is a radical change of form. You know, usually in the English language, some of the uh, synonyms for the word transformation are change. But change is really just surface. Yeah, we're not just talking about a change. We're talking about a radical change of form. And uh, the, the analogy we usually use to define and describe this word is when a, butterfi- uh, a, caterpill- a caterpillar uh, is transformed into a butterfly. Amen? It's a radical change of form. When you look into a butterfly or at a butterfly, you don't even see traces of a caterpillar. That creature in the dirt, crawling in the dirt, eating in the dirt, living the dirt life. Compared to that colorful creature floating in the, in the sky, enjoying a beautiful sunny day, eating from fl- flower petals. There's no comparison. When you look into a, 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 a butterfly, you don't even see traces of a caterpillar. Listen, there's a transformation available for God's children that after it's over, it's, it's, it's done working on your life, your new life, your transformed life won't even have traces of your past life. Can I get an amen? Man, people will swear you never went through a divorce because this new thing you have going is way better than the thing you went through. Man, you will go through the fire and you come out without even smelling like smoke. People will swear you were never poor before. People will think you're just embellishing stuff. Man, you, you're never poor. You are never poor. You know why? Because your new life will have zero traces of your past life. This is the kind of transformation he's talking about. It's a radical change of form. And what gives me so much joy to preach this sermon is this was Jesus' first message when he walked the earth. This was his first sermon as he was walking around preaching. He was preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the word repent is the Greek word metanoia, which means change your thinking. So essentially what Jesus was saying was change your thinking. There is a new dispensation in town. There is a new system of thought in town. You can't be thinking like your old self. You need to start thinking differently. Amen? The word repent, a compound word, 
if you uh, uh, split it up, uh, uh, it's two words, the, the, the prefix there, R-E, which means to go back, and the word pant, if you look at those two words, uh, prefix, go back, pant, which, where we get the English word penthouse, which means top, what Jesus was saying was, go back to the top, go back to thinking high thoughts. Where do we get that? Isaiah 55. He said, let the wicked man forsake his thoughts, but let him take on my thoughts. Why? Because my thoughts are what? Higher than your thoughts. My ways are what? Higher than your ways. And when you start thinking the God kind of thoughts, you start producing the high life. That's what God's will is for you and me. The high life. And when you start living the high life, there is no traffic in the high life. Amen? Man, if you're going to Santon in the high life, it's different from someone going to Santon driving. Amen? Because there's no traffic in the high life. There's no opposition in the high life. He says, let the wicked men take on my thoughts. Because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And my thoughts will produce the high life for you. So he says, be ye transformed. Be that. It's, a, it's, almost, it's almost a commandment. Be transformed. Be that. And I'm so glad he tells us how this transformation comes. He didn't leave it to our imagination to try and figure it out. He tells us how this transformation comes. Because if he had left it to our imagination, someone would have come up with a, a, a transformation uh, anointed oil. You know, you buy this, you buy this oil. Then you just spray it. You just spray every single morning. You just spray it. It's going to... And you're going to... Get up and you're going to be transformed. Or someone would have said, you know, come to my prayer uh, meeting. I'm going to lay hands on you. You fall down and you get up transformed. No. He tells us how this transformation comes. He says, be ye transformed. How? I didn't hear that. By the what? The who? Come on. Did you guys have breakfast? By the what? Of your what? He says, be transformed, or this kind of transformation comes by changing the way you think. For many, many, many years, the church has gathered around an emotional frenzy where we just, come on, touch me, Lord. Oh, touch me. Do something. Touch me. Give me a goosebump. Oh, I felt that. When we didn't realize that God also wants us to be activated intellectually, God wants us to completely leave our old way of thinking and take on his new way of thinking. Thinking, and as we start to think in line with his word, we'll begin to produce after the word. Amen? So when we're going to church and we get the preacher to get up to teach, the reason he is getting up to teach is so he can give you stuff to use to change the way you think, to renew your mind. He's giving you stuff uh, so you can use that kind of stuff to write a new software program on your mind. On the computer of your heart. Because ultimately, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we need to get a new software. See, you can't be running Windows 95. <laughs> on a 2020 MacBook Pro. It's just not going to fly. Amen? It's the same thing. You can't be running the old, broke, busted, and disgusted software on a new born-again believer. You can't be running the old software of being fearful and full of anxiety on a new born-again believer. If any man be in Christ, is a what? New creature. We have a new MacBook Pro right there. It needs a new software. 
And you need to invest in getting a new software. How do you do that? You go to church and listen to the word and hear it again and read it in your own spare time. You go to live group and listen to what they're saying and share and get some stuff so you can rewrite a new program. It's not just religious games. There's a method to the madness. I used to ask, man, why does someone get up to preach every single Sunday? And no one could tell me until I read this verse. I said, oh, man, he should be getting up to preach so he can give me some stuff to use to write a new software on the computer of my heart. So he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove, so that you may manifest what is the good and what is the acceptable and what is the perfect will of God for your life. God has so much for us, and he will bring it to pass as we change our thinking. If you're writing down notes, I want you to write this down. Very important. Your faith, which appropriates the things God has already given. We know what faith does. Faith appropriates the things that God has already given. What is this faith? He says your faith is a byproduct of thinking right. Amen? If you really want to be technical about it and go to the nitty-gritties and have a working faith, you'll realize this. That faith is simply this, a byproduct of thinking the right way. That's what faith is. When you start thinking the right way, you're going to see faith. In fact, many descriptions of faith uh, 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 connect with this thought. Uh, Romans chapter number 4, verse 17, the description of Abraham's faith, who's called the father of, of faith, uh, is this, that he was fully what? Persuaded. Where does pers- persuasion happen? In your thinking, in your mind. It says Abraham was fully persuaded that he who had promised was also faithful to bring it to pass. Amen? So, uh, your faith is not a feeling. I used to think faith was a feeling. You know, we'd sing the fast songs. Get into the slow ones. As we are transitioning into the slow ones, man, I'd be looking for that feeling to get on me. Just, ooh, ooh, I'm waiting for that feeling. And I, I waited a long time and that feeling didn't come. I was waiting for faith to just come as a feeling. Shoo, comes up on me and then we start laying hands on things and people start just getting healed everywhere. Ooh, faith was here. And then when you get off service, faith lifts up. Faith is gone. No, you can have faith working in your life 24-7. You know why? Because faith is a byproduct of thinking right. You can literally walk by faith and not by sight. In fact, let's look at how James described uh, the opposite of faith. What is the opposite of faith? The opposite of faith is doubt. Let's see how James describes uh, doubt. James chapter number 1 from verse 6 to 8. James chapter number 1 from verse 6 to 8. Thank you, Jesus. Is this helping you? Man, if you're watching online and it's blessing you, type something. Amen? Amen. Send a like and a heart and share it with your friends. Hallelujah. Watch what it says in James 1, 6 to 8. Uh, this is uh, James talking about how we should ask, and then he further on uh, describes a man of doubt. He says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. So we shouldn't waver when we ask. Amen? He says, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea uh, driven with the wind and tossed. Verse 7, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. And then he describes a a, a doubtful man. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So he describes doubt as double-mindedness, which means faith is single-mindedness. Do you see that? Faith is being fully persuaded that God can. 
God will, in fact, God has. You need to be fully persuaded of that. That God has already released grace for my protection. Amen? I said amen. That's what faith is. And this particular paragraph is so interesting because you can read it forward and backward and still get the same meaning. Now, let's read it backwards. Uh, James 1 from verse uh, 8 to 6 now. Watch what it says. It says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Woo! Let that homie, let that dude not think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why? Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he, that wavers, is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. So faith is a byproduct of thinking right. We have to think the right way. We have to only let the word of God uh, 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 write on the software of our hearts. We only have to allow the word of God, nothing else, only the word of God. You can't let the 8 o'clock news be the one uh, that writes the new software of your heart. Because guess what? It's going to be a messed up software. Can I get an amen? Let's go to Numbers, chapter number 13. Numbers chapter number 13. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Numbers chapter number 13 from verse 31 to 33. Uh, Just a quick preview of the story. Uh, Moses was getting ready to go into the land that God had uh, promised them. The land which flows with what? Milk and Honey, God had already given them the land. In fact, when he spoke to them, he uses uh, past tense uh, uh, rendition. And uh, he says, you know what? I want you to go to this land which I've already given you. I've already given you this land. He didn't say, I want you to go into the land which I'm trying to give you. It's the same thing with Abraham. He didn't go to Abraham and say, you know what? I'm trying to make you a father of many nations. He said, no, I've already made you a father of many nations. So from God's perspective, grace is a done deal. God has already prospered you. God has already healed you. God has already protected you. It's a past tense reality. All we need to do now is to enter that grace arena by faith. We respond to what God has already done by grace through our faith. Amen? I said amen. So, Moses was told, you know what, this land I've already given to you. Just like God is saying to you, you know, this promise uh, of your business, whatever you believe in God for, this promise of a career, this promise of promotion, this promise of a ministry uh, that's going to reach people worldwide, this promise of finances, whatever it is that God is speaking to you on your heart, it's a past tense. If God speaks to you, he's already done it. You shouldn't have to pray another prayer saying, oh Lord, please do it. Please do it for me, Lord. Please do it again. No, when God speaks to you from his perspective, it's a done deal. God has already done it. All he's waiting for. You know, we sing songs about waiting on the Lord. No, God is waiting on us. Amen? God has already moved. He's waiting on us to take our step of faith. And as we get out of the boat, that's when we'll realize, you know what? (laughs) I can walk on water. But you're not going to know that sitting in the boat. And people have been preaching sermons in the boat. They've been hyping us in the boat. But I believe it's time for us to get out of the boat and experience what they've been preaching. Instead of just sitting in the boat. Man, I'm getting tired of sitting in the boat and just saying amen. 
At some point, somebody has to get up and say, okay, this thing is, oh, yeah, I can walk on water. This thing works. Amen? And so the children of Israel were, were given this land which flows with milk and honey. And then they said, you know what? Uh, uh, Moses said was tasked to uh, pick 12 men from each tribe. You know, the 12 tribes of uh, Judah, of, of Israel, sorry. Uh, he was picked, uh, tasked to pick 12 men. So he went out and he picked 12 quality men. I mean, these were top, top, top dogs, okay? And he picked these 12 guys to represent uh, the nation. So he called them up and he gave them an assignment. He said, I want you to go to the land uh, uh, which flows with milk and honey. I want you to go into that land and spy the land, Jericho, and then come back and give us uh, a report of how, which city we're going to take first. The assignment was never uh, to go and find out whether we can take it or not because God has already given us. So that's not up for debate. God has already given us. That's a done deal. The assignment was just to see which one are we taking face first. And so they went and uh, they spied the land and then they came back. And so the first 10 spies got up to give their PowerPoint presentation to the nation. Got up, put up their projector, and they said to the 2 million, here's what we found in the land. And this is the, uh, what they said, the 10 men. So the 12 men, the first 10 got up. The man that went up with him said, we be not able. Can you imagine? What an introduction to a PowerPoint presentation. We are not able. No, no one ever asked you to go and look at the, 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 our ability because our ability is in the Lord. God already knows you and I are not able in our own strength. The assignment was to go into the land and see which one we are taking first. No, we be not able. And I'll tell you this, don't roll with the we be not able crowd. Don't go to the we be not able ministries. <laughs> you know, people think we are crazy. Right? Because we are radical. We choose to believe God for divine healing and all the crazy promises of God. We choose to go in and believe every single one of them. And people think we are crazy until they get sick. They start calling. They never call their we be not able ministries. <laughs> you want some crazy people when you want miracles. Amen? So they pick up the phone and call us. I want some of those crazy folk to pray for me. We be not able. To go up against these people. For they are stronger than we. Verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land. Which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying. The land through which we have gone to search it. Is a land that eats up its inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it. Are men of great stature. Have you ever met people that just exaggerate what's in front of them? Everyone we saw in that land was a man of great stature. There is nothing like that. You know, they're, they're saying everyone in the land had a big bicep and a six-pack. You won't find that country, ladies. <laughs> Not true. Just hang those dreams, amen? Just pray for any man. Lord, just any man. <laughs> no, I'm joking, okay? It's a joke. You must have a standard, all right? <laughs> Have a standard. But I'm telling you, man, these guys were just exaggerating. Everyone we saw in the land is a man of great stature. And there we saw giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in whose sight? I didn't hear that. Come on, preach with me. In whose sight? Come on, preach like you had breakfast. In whose sight? 
Man, they said, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And watch the net effect of seeing yourself as a grasshopper. So we were in their sight. Life treats you the way you see yourself. And this is why your identity should be founded in God's word. You must see yourself the way God sees you. Not the way life sees you. Because life treats you the way you see yourself. Man, you need to start seeing yourself through the lens of God's word. Someone shout, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Man, you need to say these affirmations like you mean it. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Man, you got to put some attitude to it. You know what I do before I leave the house? I look myself in the mirror. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then, hot. Amen. Someone shout, I am God's workmanship, created for good things. God has a plan for me, and this plan is to prosper me, give me a hope and a future. So I remind myself of these things. And I, I, because I want, I don't want to see my, I don't ever want to see myself as a grasshopper. Oh, you're just a grass. No, I'm not. They had an interview on TV. Uh, 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 Kevin Durant, the basketball player. Uh, they were, I think the Golden State Warriors were down three-one in the series. And I mean, these reporters were just giving it to him. They were just giving it to him. They say, "Man, you are down three-one. Do you think you'll ever bounce back?" And and he, Kevin got tired of them. And at that point, he said, wait a minute, I'm Kevin Durant. Y'all know who I am? He says, I'm Kevin Durant. He says, wait, do you know who I am? He started asking the report, do you know who I am? And the guy said, yeah. He said, I'm Kevin Durant. And that's what you need to do sometimes when the devil is putting you in a corner. I'm a child. Hey, I'm a child of God. Do you know who I am? I'm Kevin Durant. And they stopped. They stopped asking him any more questions. They were like, yeah, he's Kevin. He's, we know he's Kevin, man. This is Kevin. And I'm telling you, man, you need to remind the devil of who you are. And this is why I don't roll with the we be not able crowd. I like to roll with Caleb and Joshua. Look at what Caleb and Joshua said, verse 30. Same land, same time period. Of research and uh, uh, surveying the land, but they saw it from a different perspective. While everybody's saying we've been not able, watch what Caleb and Joshua said. Uh, verse 30 And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are what? Well able. We are well able. Someone shout, I am well able. Shout, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's, it was all about perspective. Somebody else was seeing it as a defeat. They were seeing it from a position of uh, impossibility. Somebody else is seeing it from a position of victory. They're seeing it from a position of, man, we can do this thing. There's a brother who sent me a testimony yesterday. Uh, uh, he's here uh, this morning. He hasn't given me the liberty to share the testimony. I said his name. Uh, but he called me and said, yeah, well, PT, uh, I'm out here buying my second car uh, during the period of the lockdown. He said, I'm, I'm buying my second car using my lockdown dividends. He said, it's all the money I made during the lockdown. He said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Keep this lockdown on. 
while everybody else is crying and just, uh, it's all about perspective. He said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in there and use some of that grace in the marketplace and I'm going to find some opportunities and I'm going to go forward and I'm going to let the anointing on the inside of me uh, uh, to prosper. I'm going to let the grace of God work through me and I'm going to go forward. And he said, Pastor, I'm getting my second car. The first one was Germany, uh, from Germany. The second one is from uh, uh, South Korea. He said, South Korea. He said, I feel bad for the South Koreans. <laughs> Got to spend some of my money on the South Koreans. What happened? He just saw it from a different perspective, just like Joshua and Caleb. Man, I'm telling you, we have Joshua's and Caleb's rising up in this season. My only sadness comes from the fact that it was 10 against 2. For every 10 crazy spies, there's going to be two uh, uh, Joshua's and Caleb. And I choose to be one of the two. I choose to be one of the two that go crazy and say, you know what? We're going to choose to believe the Lord. Amen? I said amen. And so we know that the two million people that were listening to these two sermons, the two million decided to believe the ten spies. And none of them entered into the promised land. Man, you'd think this is a crazy, dumb response to the promise of God. And today we have people that respond that way to God's prosperity promise. We have people that respond that way to God's supernatural healing promise. We have people that respond that way to God's supernatural provision of peace promise. They say it's all crazy. It's not possible. And we are trying to tell the man this is possible. We're living this way. And they don't get it. Someone was saying, man, do y'all live in a bubble? Are y'all dreaming? I said, well, if I am, don't wake me up because it sure feels good to trust God and live in his promises. Amen? Amen? Numbers chapter number 14 from verse 7 to 9. That was Caleb. Caleb stilled the people and told them, we are well able. And Joshua had his turn in uh, Numbers 14 from verse 7 to 9. And he spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not. Someone say rebel not. (laughs) Don't rebel against the promises of God. He says, only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Did you read that? Man, I love it. Someone else is saying, these are giants. Someone else is saying, man, this is just bread, Sasko. Just give me some peanut butter and I'm going to spread it and eat them alive. Perspective. This is just bread for my food. That's what happens. You see, you know your mind is renewed when the supernatural is logic. It's logical. Right? When the supernatural is part of the logical thinking, you know your mind is renewed. When walking on water is part of your natural thinking, you know your mind is renewed. Amen? I said amen. He says, for they are bread for us. Their their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Man, this is great. He said they no longer have any defense. How did he know this? He discerned it in the spirit. Write this down if you're taking down notes. The day you got born again, 
there was now no real opposition to grabbing a hold of the promises of God. The enemy's defense has been removed at the cross. There is no more opposition to grabbing a hold of the promises of God. Amen? I said amen. How did he know that their defense had departed from them? He, he discerned it uh, spiritually. Let's read Joshua 2.11. This is good. Joshua chapter number 2, uh, verse 11. Now, this is Rahab. They visited Rahab's house. Uh, in fact, let me read this from verse 10, if you don't mind, uh, Wilma. Uh, Joshua chapter number 2, verse 10. Watch what he says. This is what Rahab said. And I'm going to show you how this applies to you as a new covenant believer. He says, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when he came out of Egypt. What you did unto the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Now, the same thing is said over your life when you get born again. We have heard of how you have finally received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, who defeated all the principalities at the cross. So Jesus won the victory for us, and when we receive that victory, it's almost as if we have won that victory. It's called the principle of identification. Now you identify with Jesus. That's why we say when Jesus was buried, we were buried with him. But none of us were really buried. But spiritually, they accounted to your account as if you were buried too. You know, for many, many years I've been traveling uh, to North America. Guys have been pressing me to pick a, a football team. You know, they have uh, what they call football. I don't really think it's football because football should be football. Football. <laughs> not football. That's not football. That's handball, right? <laughs> so they call it. Uh, NFL. So they've been trying to get me to pick an NFL team. And, uh, you know, finally, uh, you know, I gave in in 2017. I said, you know what, I'm going to pick an NFL team. But I did my research before I picked uh, an NFL team, and I went and I looked at the team that had a good record. So I went and I picked the New England Patriots. I said, you know what, I'm running with Tom Brady. That's my boy. I'm going to go with Tom Brady. So I bought my Tom Brady uh, cap you know, New England Patriots, some people are going to get mad, really mad watching this. Go my, you know, New England Patriots cap. And here's what's interesting is that I chose the team in 2017, but people would walk up to me and say, you beat us in 2002. I hadn't even chosen the team in 2002. What were they doing? They were using the principle of identification. Most of you were celebrating Liverpool. We won. Some of you will be saying, we bought... So and so for 50 million. I'm like, really, you pay? 50 million pounds, bro. Bro, you bought. It's called the principle of identification. Amen. Now, watch this. You identify with Jesus. So, when Jesus defeated the enemy, the enemy looks at it as if you defeated him. And so, when they heard this report, watch what happened. When the enemy hears that you got born again, look at the response. Look at what happens in the enemy's locker room with all those giants, quote-unquote, right? The giants. Look at what's happening in the enemy's locker room. Listen, I'm telling you, as you walk out of this building, you're not going to be fearful of another demon in your life. Because I'm about to show you what's going on in their locker room. Defeated force. Here's what he says in verse 11. 
as soon as we heard these things, that you got born again, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Let me read it in the NIV. I want to show you something. Same verse in the New International uh, Version. When we heard of it, of, of you getting born again, right? He says, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. So the giants didn't have any more courage. All the two million could have done is just walk into the land and push the giant. Just, just push the giant. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. I'm going to get my promises. But remember what fear is. Faith, uh, false evidence appearing. It just looked like they were giants. And they were sold a lie. And they believed it. It looks like coronavirus is going to take you out. No, it's not. I'm ready to push it out of the way. Just going to just get out of the way. I'm walking past. Amen? I said amen. Looks like it's going to take away your job. No, it's not. Looks like it's going to uh, destroy your dreams. No, it's not. Three weeks ago, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit began to stir up something on the inside of me, and I went and I bought a new set of luggage. Well, not a new set, just one uh, really nice bag. Uh, Ashley Terridis gave me one of his bags. It's called Briggs and Riley to use. Uh, to, 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 I was helping him carry his luggage. I, man, I put my hand on that thing, and I put, man, that thing was like, it's, it's rolling on its own. And then I went and I tried to grab mine. Man, you try to pull it in, you need two hands just to drag it. I was like, Lord, I'm believing you for a new set of luggage. I'm believing you for nice wheels on those bags. You know why? Because God has called me to go to the nations, and I deserve some nice wheels. The last week I went, and I'm talking to the guys. I said, man, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the nations. I said, but the borders are closed. I said, no, watch. I'm going to the nations. Just give me that thing. 50% discount. Do you know that this is the time to get good deals for the brave This is the time to get good air uh, tickets for the brave. You know who the brave are? God's kids. You can sanitize, prophesize, and use the blood of Jesus to cover you. <laughs> Nothing to fear. Amen? Man, I'm telling you, uh, we booked our December holiday, what, 30% the value of the actual vacation. Because while everybody's hiding, it's our turn to come out. That's how I think. Amen? Amen. I'm telling you, millionaires are always made in crisis. You know why? Because people tend to hide, and the few brave ones say, you know, I'm coming out, I'm going to come out and kill this Goliath. Would never have known of David had killing Goliath become a, a cooperative effort. You know, let's get together and just strategize to kill Goliath. It would have been a teamwork. Sometimes you just need to go edit alone. Just, you know, where is this Goliath? And just go and kill him. And how many of you know that would have not known of David if Goliath was a little short Mickey Mouse boy? Everybody in the nation would say, I would have killed him too. Amen? The bigger the crisis, the bigger the opportunity. But we have to change the way we think. And Caleb and Joshua saw it that way. And they took all the children of Israel who could dare to believe God with them into the promised land. Did that bless you? 
Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for these, your precious, precious, precious children. Father, we just thank you uh, for them, even in this season of uncertainty, even in this season of opposition, uh, trying to come against us. Lord, I just thank you that you remind them that they have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of them and they can uh, face their Goliaths. Lord, we thank you that they'll begin to realize with their minds renewed that uh, uh, they're not going with the 10 spies that we fear for. They're going with uh, Joshua and Caleb. We are well able to grab a hold of the promises of God and bring them to pass. And that's what we are doing in this season. Lord, we thank you that the next 10 will be our best 10. We thank you, Father, that we are moving from one level of glory to another. We thank you, Father, that the latter glory shall even be greater than the former glory. We thank you that our path, the path of the righteous, keep getting brighter and brighter and brighter. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. We pray for opportunities. Every single person under the sound of my voice in this season. Lord, we just thank you that there is a release of opportunities. All kinds of business opportunities, all kinds of career opportunities are coming to these and those watching online. Father, we just thank you that it is so in this season. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And someone said, Amen and Amen. And amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.